If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. This morning, we're gonna kick off our annual Distinguished Pulpit Series, which is an opportunity for us to hear from a variety of spiritual, theological, and community perspectives. We're delighted to welcome Joshua Harris Till, and he is the president of the Young Democrats of America, who also holds both state and national leadership positions in Moms Who Demand Action and Every Town. He is a champion of activism, working both statewide with Black Lives Matter and nationally with the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. Joshua not only focuses his efforts domestically, but he's also built international relationships with a number of youth organizations and currently sits on a core committee for the world's largest youth consortium within the United Nations. He is passionate about youth engagement and has dedicated his life to ensure a progressive future for all future generations. If you would please join me in welcoming Joshua Harris Till to Mayflower. Let us bow our heads together. On this 4th of July, we are grateful, Holy One, grateful for this country, grateful for those who have sacrificed and dreamed and worked for it, grateful that this is a place where it's possible to close the gap between our reality and our highest hopes. But we are keenly aware that our American patriotism is not how you judge our faithfulness. Jesus didn't say that the greatest commandment is to love our country but it's to love you and our neighbors. So it is with this in mind that we use the words of the hymn as our prayer on this particular day. Our country's skies are bluer than the ocean and sunlight beams on cloverleaf and pine, but the lands, other lands, have sunlight too, and clover, and skies where everyone and everywhere are as blue as mine. Oh, hear my song, O God of all the nations, a song of peace for their land, and for mine. Help us, Holy One, to use everything that we have been given and earned to move the whole world, not just our corner over it, towards abundant life. With hopeful hearts we pray, amen. Good morning, church. 
I first and foremost uh, want to give uh, thanks to the teacher of this building, Reverend Lori Walker, um, for not just her steadfastness in her convictions, but in her ingenuity in thinking of this program where she invites folks like myself to share this pulpit so that we may learn not only what the ordained have to teach, but what the called have to say as well. And I think that is so beautiful because I think so many of us um, understand that in multiple moments in life we're called to speak in and invest in and, and bless someone with a word that we might have to say. And so for me to be able to do that with you today is truly an honor. Um, open your Bibles with me if you have them with you or your apps if you're like me. First uh, Timothy 1, 12 through 17 um, my pastor called me uh, the other day to ask me what time the service would be, and he said uh, that he really remembers uh, giving a, a speech at one of these conventions, and he said his friend came up to him after the service and said, it was 22 minutes before you used your first scripture, and he was like, and, and what you said in the beginning was okay, but the rest of it was really good after you uh, established that scripture. Um, <laughs> So I told him I didn't want to make the same mistake, so we was going to start with the real early. Uh, and I believe, you know, as in all things, uh, the sooner we can interject uh, the word into, into our lives and the things that we're doing, the better off we'll be. Um, so I want to thank, thank him for giving me that advice, and I want to uh, read with you. Uh, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he considers me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor, glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, some of y'all are saying amen, uh, <laughs> but some of you are acting like you weren't born imperfect and had a father who loved you so much that he gave his own son. Now, they told me that the 11 o'clock service had a little more energy than the 9 a.m. service. Uh, <laughs> I'm a pastor's kid on both sides, both my mom and my dad, so I grew up in the church, uh, Southern um, black church. I don't know exactly what the theology was. I just knew that's where we went every Sunday morning. And when the pastor spoke, we were supposed to speak back. So if y'all could help me a little bit, that'll let me know that I'm doing a good job. Is that all right? All right. In recognition of the uh, holiday being the 4th of July, I wanted to uh, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to speak about, I was like, it has to be, 
Independence Day themed. Um, and then I spent all of this time like researching the 4th of July to find out as much like historical context as I could so I could create a sermon out of it. And then none of that happened. So <laughs> we will instead go in the direction uh, that I feel like the Lord's leading us this day. But there was uh, something that I read that I feel um, goes with the service that we're having. And it's from Frederick Douglass, uh, the meaning of the 4th of July for the Negro. It was in July 4th of 1852. And he said this, fellow citizens, I am not wanting in respect for the fathers of this Republic. The signers of the Declaration of Independence were brave men. They were great men too, great enough to give frame to a great age. It does not often happen to a nation to raise at one time such a number of truly great men. The point from which I am compelled to view them is not certainly the most favorable, and yet I cannot contemplate their great deeds with less than admiration. They were statesmen, patriots, and heroes. And for the good they did and the principles they contended for, I will unite with you to honor their memories. Fellow citizens, pardon me. Allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I or those I represent to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? Am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us. I think that's such a powerful statement because it acknowledges that imperfect people can still do good things. There we go, come on, are we joining in? Um, it, was, it, it hit me uh, personally when I was reading this. I think whenever you're trying to make a word for other people, what you oftentimes do is make a word for yourself. And when I was reading this, it says that imperfect people can do really great work. We don't have to achieve this level of perfection. We do not have to be sinless. We do not have to be the best Christian walking the earth. We just have to strive to be Christ-like and do good work, and good work will happen. And it can positively impact other people. Now, obviously, we still had a long way to go when that statement was created. But he said, I don't have the ability to not acknowledge the greatness in you just because it doesn't oftentimes all the way extend to me. I still acknowledge your good deeds. And I hope that in a world of imperfect people, as an imperfect person myself, as you may feel like you're imperfect people, that we know that we're still worthy, we're still loved, we're still called, and we're still Christ-like. I would ask, you know, how many of you all know an imperfect person? <laughs> See, all right, one or two, okay. Um, then I'd ask, how many of you all feel like uh, you're imperfect yourself? 
Right, okay, a couple more hands than we had on the first one. That's that participation I was talking about. But then the question I'd ask is how many of us feel like we are completely accepting of the imperfect people we run into in our life? I was just trying to see if I saw any hands out there for that one. Um, just to think about what, what that means to be completely accepting of imperfect people. Not just accepting of imperfect people. We all have that friend and we're like, oh, well, you know, that's just the way Todd is. Um, or Angela's always like that. Don't worry about it. If your name's Todd or Angela, I apologize. <laughs> But it might be true, so I don't know, all right? If that, if that spoke to you, I just want to let it speak to you. Um, you know, when we get cut off in traffic, and then the person flips us off afterwards, and then we recite to them the uh, Lord's Prayer oftentimes. That's what, you, that's what, I, that's what I, I assume that's what we all do, right? Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, it's, 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 it's so interesting because I was... Preparing for this service, and I'm thinking about um, Reverend Walkie and how every single time uh, she speaks, like you can tell the amount of time, effort, and energy that she puts into making sure whatever is on that paper comes across well for the people who's going to be receiving it, to make sure that it's a message that's uniquely created for them, and to make sure that she is well-versed and studied enough to ensure that Christ is centered and the message that she gives. So perfect of a person that she refuses to go on vacation, so you gotta kick her out of church sometimes. <laughs> um, just in order for her to kind of take a break and to, to refill herself because she pours out so much that we know you have to put something back in in order for you to um, continue, right? And so we just honor her and in this moment and in this opportunity for as humbled as I am to, to stand where she stands, I put a lot of time, effort, and energy into this because I wanted to kind of grasp just a piece of the mindset she has when she stands before you. Today, on this 4th of July or Independence Day or what some would refer to as the Day of Freedom, uh, I'm reminded of 1 Peter 3, 18 through 32. You should read that, but you don't have to right now. The, the premise of that scripture is Peter states that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. And I love this passage because of the way it expressed how deep God's grace is. God is willing to go to hell for us if that's what it takes for this For, the, for us to be able to, to see heaven. There's an old story of, uh, that claims that there was a great minister and they asked him if he would be willing to be damned if it would somehow lead to a person's salvation and he responded that he would gladly do what the Lord was willing to do. And so my question for you church is are you willing No, there's hesitation there and there rightfully should be because when I say, are you willing? I don't ask you what you're willing to do, right? <laughs> and you're like, I'm, I might be willing, but let me, let, give me a little more information. Um, but are you willing not just to come to church, 
not just to post the little praying hands or the care emoji on somebody's post when they say they're going through something difficult, um, but are you willing to go through hell like Christ went through in order for us to spread this message of love? When you think about how he was beaten and brutalized, when you think about the torturing that he received, are you willing to go through the same level of turmoil that he went through for us? And that's a hard question to ask because if you hit me, I'm automatically mad, right? I don't, we don't, we don't ease into it. I'm just like, hey, what happened? And I think that you know, when we think about that, when we think about, um, I think even the British Revolution and, and, and how, or the American Revolution, how the British thought we were rebels, right? And I was like, what does that word mean, rebel? And I went and looked up the definition. Uh, and the definition of rebel is to, A, to oppose or disobey one in authority or control, B, to renounce and resist by force the authority of one's government, C, to act in or show opposition or disobedience, rebelled against the conventions of polite society, or D, which I feel is the best one for today's message, is to feel or exhibit anger or revulsion, rebelled at the injustices of life. In, the, in your Bibles, if you want to look uh, there, Matthew 27, 38 through 41, um, this is around the time of the crucifixion of Christ. And there was something that I noticed in this text that I wanted to discuss with you today because it stood out to me, I think, so much. Because we knew the crucifixion was bad, right? We knew that it was, this was the bad part on top of the beating that he just received. Now he's being tortured in this way. And it just reminded me of how sometimes when we feel like we're going through some of the worst things in life, it can still get worse after that. And you're like, all right, come on now. This is, this is, a, this is a tad bit much. But in the scripture it says, two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. If you skip over to 44, it says, in the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults to him. Imagine being crucified and being mocked, not just by the people who are watching, but by the people who are being crucified next to you. And I'm like, in a world where we care about how many Facebook likes we get on a post or how many followers we have on Instagram or what our reputation is in the church or the community or, or like what people's view of us is, are you willing to be publicly mocked? To disregard public opinion and be unapologetically Christ-like? 
when some want to fit in so bad that they would insult the man getting crucified right beside them because they want separation from this person who we know to be Christ. Will you hold true to the righteousness inside, not in judgment of others, but in judgment of self? Let me repeat that because I think someone on the left side might have been dozing off a little bit. I don't know. Um, are you willing to be unapologetically Christ-like, not in judgment of others, but in judgment of self? We were talking in Bible study about uh, when Jesus, uh, the, the crowd formed and they were preparing to stone the woman and Jesus said, let he who is out sin cast the first stone. Um, and, and he asked, are you, are you without sin? You know, a lot of people were willing to be the second person to throw the rock, but not a lot of people were willing to be the first. <clears throat> and I would go a little bit further and say a lot of Christians are willing to have an opinion that might be negative on somebody as long as they're not the first, as long as it's popular in that point in time to have those opinions about people, as long as you can justify the things that you might be saying about someone it's easy to cast the second stone, but it's easier still to not throw the rock at all. When I look into Psalms 136, 23 and 25, it states, he remembered us in our lowest state. His love endures forever and freed us from our enemies his love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. And I just have to ask if Christ is willing to let us, to, willing to let his love for us endure forever, then why does our stop when you feel like someone's betrayed you? Or when you let somebody borrow some money and they refuse to pay you back and stop answering your phone calls. Or when someone you trusted and confided in told others the information you didn't want to get out. Or when you were in public and someone had the opportunity to publicly embarrass you. Is your love enduring the way Christ's love would endure in those moments? I know mine isn't. So if y'all needed somebody else to admit it, then I'll admit it first. We oftentimes feel like we understand what's going on better than God. We say, we're in the moment. We're, we're right here. We forget that God is also here with us. We're, oh, he's up in heaven. He might be looking at something going on somewhere else, but I'm right here. And this is the way things should go. And this is what I think. And this is how I think things should happen. And this is how they should have treated me. I told them that they should treat me this way. And when I think about the amount of times that I have been that person who thought he knew everything and thought that the way that I was thinking of things were the way that things should be, I'm reminded of my favorite verse. This is in Job, uh, Job 38. We'll be jumping around a little bit, verses one through 11 and verses 16 to 21. 
Um, and, and you all know the story of Job. He had everything, and, and the devil approached God and said, if we could just take this away from him, then he'll reject you. And they took it away, and he didn't. He said, if we can just take this away from him, and they continued to do this until Job had a question like most of us, like, okay, well, what is going on, <laughs> all right? I, I've, been, I've been down here. I've been doing the right thing. Why is everything bad happening to me right now? I know that's something I relate to. I don't know if y'all relate to that. I try to think through my life, and I'm like, what did I do? Did I kick a puppy? Um, <laughs> did I pop a kid's balloon? Like, why is so much bad stuff happening in this moment? And so Job decided uh, he wanted to question God. And one of the most beautiful things I think in Scripture happened, uh, God answered. Uh, how many of you know that if you have a good enough relationship with the Lord, you can have a conversation with him? Uh, and he'll talk back to you. You don't have to just feel like you're throwing words into the atmosphere and they're disappearing, but you can listen and hear in your spirit that he'll respond. And when God responded to Job questioning him, he said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet, stand tall. I have some questions for you. And I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly, you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone? While the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise. And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and I tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen so it couldn't run loose and said, stay here, this is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. It later on says, have you ever gotten to the bottom of things, explored the labyrinth caves of the deep ocean? Do you know the first thing about death? Do you know do you have one clue regarding death's dark mysteries? And do you have any idea how large the earth is? Speak up if you have even the beginning of an answer. Do you know where light comes from and where darkness lives so you can take them by the hand and lead them home when they get lost? Why, of course you know that. You've known them all your life, grown up in the same neighborhood with them. What will it take? for you and I to trust that the Lord, the creator of the universe, the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end, might just know more than we'll ever be able to comprehend. In Job 44 and five, he says, I am unworthy, how can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice, but I will say no more. And I just want to say, church, can I say respectfully that it's far past time that we shut up and trust that our Father knows better than we can ever know. You know, I'm not sure exactly... Um, why you came today or what was on your mind when you woke up. 
Um, I'm not sure why I was asked to speak or, or chosen out of all of the people that you could have chose. I'm not sure what you're going through in this moment or the plans God has for you, but I know that in this moment, um, I allowed myself to be a vessel. I said, let me shut up on trying to figure out what I should speak about, what the what might look the best on TV, on the, on the video, what might impress my friends if they watched the service and said, let me just be a vessel. Let me just speak today about being an imperfect person who is becoming ever more cognizant of the fact that he is imperfect. But still, because I allow myself to be a vessel for our Lord and Savior, I am able to do great work just like you all are able to do great work, just like this church is able to do great work. Every single day, every single opportunity, every single moment we talked uh, in the last service, they're completely different. You can go watch the video on the first one <laughs> about how we all used to wear the, what would Jesus do, uh, bracelets, but it was a fad for a lot of people and fads, you know, burn out, they run their course. But if we're honest with ourselves and if we truly think about it as Christians, uh, what would Jesus do should be a question that we're always asking. And for me, I think that the answer is love. He would love. He is love, he would give love, he would ask to receive love, he would ensure love filled every space and every uh, location that he was in. And I think that we need to focus on doing that a little bit more. It is absolutely zero cost associated with giving love, so you can do it for free. I don't know if you all were aware, you can literally give as much as you want, no charge. But I think that we all can think of a moment where we were going through something where things didn't feel uh, right, where we had been kicked and beaten and, and hurt in so many different ways and somebody just happened to show up and pour love into us. And the way we felt in that moment and the way we knew that, that things would be better, that things would be okay, that this wasn't the end of our story, that this wasn't the worst day that we would ever live through, that love still prevails, love still wins in the very end. And so if I can leave you with anything, it is a charge to make sure that you are investing more love in this world. In every single situation, not just to the people uh, on the street who you feel like need it, but give love to the people who you feel like don't need it. Give love to the people who are having an absolutely great day, no complaints in the world, and you're having a horrible day. Give love to them instead. But most importantly, give love to yourself. So many of us spend so much time investing in other people, we forget that we are the first person that we see when we wake up in the morning and the last person we talk to when we go to bed at night. We don't take care of that person nearly as much as we should. We don't give grace to that person nearly as much as we should. We don't love that person nearly as much as we should. And if we started putting more love into the world here, 
then it would be so much easier to put love into the world out there. I appreciate you all having me. I appreciate Lori for inviting me and I hope that if you got anything from this message, it was that there are multiple opportunities out there for us to give love if only we are willing to look for them. Thank you. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only, premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.